Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis. I'm here with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother? I'm doing well, man. How things for your end? Ah, oh, man, doing well, man. Enjoying this uh, this lovely snow every day, man. <laughs> Tis the season. But uh, <laughs> I'm also uh, pleased to announce we have a special guest, uh, Aaron Sali. Uh, how's it going? Doing well. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having me here, Royce and Raheem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for definitely thanks for reaching out and, uh, and and making this happen. We definitely are happy to have you on. Uh, so, Aaron, uh, could you tell us about yourself? Uh, how many kids you got? Uh, what are their ages? And also, uh, what do you do for a living or for a purpose? Yeah. So I have a 12 year old son and a five year old son. And uh, and my oldest son is from my first marriage. And so I uh, co-parent with his his mom, and then uh, my youngest son is from my uh, second marriage. And then for a living, I am a I guess I've labeled myself as a, a mental wellness coach, and really I actually help a lot of men. For whatever reason, men um, come to me for coaching, life coaching, challenges they're going through, and uh, I get a lot out of supporting them. Uh, you know, one of my clients was dealing with alcohol addiction, and and uh, kind of guided him to to move through that. Uh, and other, other um, guys that I help are dealing with career challenges and managing family responsibilities and how to maintain that life balance. So just kind of coaching them through those aspects and uh, change, helping them change their perspective. And it is a deep purpose for me to help, you know, not only men, but uh, people that are, that are dealing with depression and anxiety. It's such a big, um, a big challenge all around the world, in the, you know, not just in the U.S. and in Canada, but all around the world that more and more people are are suffering from depression and aren't haven't really learned the tools on how to get on the other side of it so really that's what you know i i feel i'm here to help through that because i've gone through it myself so like what was the process of in you becoming a life coach and how this is a twofold question and how has it helped you as a, as a father being a coach you know yeah um you know when I was a, when I was a kid, I it actually it started with teaching for me. I um, when I was in elementary school, to put myself to sleep at night, I would put my head under my pillow, and I'd imagine I'd imagine I was teaching uh, like one of the grade six or seven classes. Like it just it's just something I did on my own. I don't know where it came from, but it just teaching was ingrained in me, and and uh, and that um, that followed me throughout my um, you know my high school days, and then and into university. I took business, but I took HR, so I. Uh, I was really drawn to, to training people and helping them overcome challenges and learning new things. And, and then as I, as I got through university and I, I, I went into the workforce and I was in a lot of sales positions, I started hearing about these, these coaches that are out there to help, um, help salespeople, uh, you know, with their mindset. And, uh, and it was interesting because I had a basketball coach in high school and he, he'd always tell us that a hundred percent of the game is between your ears. He'd tell us this at practices. He'd walk around while we're warming up, and he'd just keep saying over and over again, 100% of the game is between your ears. But he would never tell us anything more than that. We would just then focus on our skills and running around and, uh, you know, playing defense and, and uh, you know, how to, how to score better and how to, um, you know, do the different plays. And it, it took me to, you know, getting out in the workforce, and I, it started to click for me as to what he meant by, you know, the game was in – is between your ears and I started to recognize that life is between your ears and uh, and then and then so these coaches that I started to meet and and learn about sales tactics and that I started to I get I got interested in that but I, you know this is something that I would I would want to do 
And, and so I just, I spent a lot of years just researching it and learning about it. And I would bring it into the roles I was in. I worked in the, in a corporate role within um, financial services organization for most of my career. And so I would bring training and coaching into the, the, uh, the, the employees that I worked with. And uh, I would coach them on how to identify uh, the right clients that I can help them with. But then I also indirectly, they would come to me and say, how do, how do I get to do what you do? And so I, um, I, I got to, you know, kind of help them a little bit with their career and kind of help steer them in the right direction. And, and it's just kind of evolved with being a dad. Like I, uh, I find that I am taking more of a teaching and coaching kind of approach with, with my sons and, uh, and just, you know, teaching them how to play like sports is something I grew up with and I was, you know, played basketball and volleyball and road hockey and that. So I, uh, you know, kind of gravitate to teach them how to, how to throw, you know, throw a ball and, and uh, how to, you know, uh, shoot with the stick and how to play soccer and, and all the, the basic sports stuff. And, and then uh, my older son, who's 12, I find that now it's kind of getting into that mindset side of it. And I'm, I'm kind of noticing, you know, he's, he plays pretty competitive sports for his age uh, and, uh, and, and just helping him through some of that uh, more on the, the, the coaches really support on that, but I, I help on the school side of things and helping him, through the learning um, and, you know, getting confident with his reading and getting confident with his writing and, and some different ways to look at that. Yeah. I find it really helped. Yeah. So at the beginning, you mentioned uh, your own mental health, as far as you know, going through depression yeah. and kind of getting through that. What was that like for you and how did you overcome it? You know, it was, uh, it was a struggle to be honest. It was, uh, I, in high school, I had these low periods that just seemed to last for weeks, and I didn't, I didn't talk to anybody about it. Like I graduated back in the '90s, so you know, today it's great. Like everybody in schools and that, they're all talking about mental health, and and uh, you know, kids. It seems like kids are are given the ability to to share more what's going on for them. And back then, it just felt like I was there was something wrong with me. Is what I kept wondering. Right? Is that why am I? You know. One week I'm I'm super confident and I'm a bit more social and want to interact with my friends and and uh, and then the next week, you know somebody said something, I've taken it personally and now I've gone down this rabbit hole where uh, I just I, I don't want to I don't want to be around people I want to you know I'm just a lot more I'm not more nervous about being um, in my friend groups and what you know, if I say the wrong thing or or what have you right and and that that followed me into my uh, you know my career where. I was, I was in these sales positions and, uh, you know, at the beginning it was great. I was like, okay, this, I, you know, I, I work really closely with, um, you know, with, the, with my teams and my manager and, and, uh, and all the different strategies and go to the different training. But then, you know, six months in a year in now the targets are there, right? The sales targets, you got to hit these targets every quarter. And that's where I started to feel like the anxiety would come up and, and it just, you know, and a lot of the roles I was in, you know, you go in and you'd, you'd have to find a new client every, you know, every day or two, right? So you're not just finding a client and taking care of them for six months. You're, you're, you're having to keep hunting. You're doing a lot of hunting. And I found that it was just very, very challenging to be in that kind of anxious state of, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to meet my next client or how am I going to get more opportunities and, and, and then not have that difficult conversation with my manager about why I'm not performing. And I, I ended up, I would just kind of be future forecasting really bad conversations. And it just kind of kept me stuck. Like I, 
I had, I had, I didn't have the skills of how to just remain in a positive mindset more regularly. I was more focused on, okay, the bad stuff. And it eventually in my mid twenties or so, I started to talk to my doctor about, okay, this is what's going on here. And, and, and then I was diagnosed with depression. I, I'd never really um, had a diagnosis and that's where I, you know, was recommended to start seeing psychologists and counselors. And it kind of opened up things for me just to recognize that, okay, I'm not, I'm not alone in this struggle. Uh, you know, other people are going through this, which I felt like I was just this, something was really wrong with me and why I'm, like my friends were, didn't seem to be contemplating all this, um, this anxiety all the time. They seemed, you know, pretty focused and pretty driven. And, you know, why was I going through this? So, uh, so I got a lot of help along the way and, um, and, and, you know, it took me a while though, you know, in my early twenties, it was a lot of, uh, psychologists and working on my own and, and I was on medication for a bit um, but then it kind of transitioned as I got older and I don't know I can I can kind of stop there and let me know if you want to keep going or you have any other questions on that no you can keep going yeah so yeah so as I got in my 30s and that like I still had I didn't I started to manage things better I started to get better coping schools on skills especially around physical fitness for me uh, you know, in high school, I played basketball and volleyball. And so I was always active. And then when I got into university and into the workforce after graduating, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't exercising as much as I, I used to. So I started to recognize that there was a, there was a reason why I was feeling confident um, more when I was exercising. And, and so I, I started to recognize that I need to be active in some capacity, whether it's even just going for a simple walk on my lunch break or in the morning, 15 minutes, just something to keep me moving, really helped clear my head. Because I always felt like this, this cloud was over my head and I couldn't get out of it. I'd, I'd just be waiting for this cloud to leave so I could you know, be happy again, right? And, um, but then in my, my mid-30s, a, a counselor, like I, I found that I kind of progressed. And I read lots of books, different self-help books. I've always followed different speakers and that, you know, Brian Tracy and Wayne Dyer and you know, Tony Robbins and all these, these names that you hear. And then I, I took little courses along the way, but I, I saw a counselor in my mid thirties and, and she said something that just, it, it, it really hit home for me as to what was going on. Cause as much as I was coping with things, I wasn't transforming out of it. I was still dealing with it. And she, she highlighted the fact that, you know what, Aaron, depression is really anger turn inward. And I was like, Okay, uh, and I, I just let that sit with me for for a bit, and I started to reflect on my relationship to anger, and I never really learned how to express anger. I never learned the benefits of it. I always thought it was a bad thing to get mad and to get angry, and and it was a it was an aggressive behavior that wasn't appropriate. And so, really, what I I recognize is that something that I needed to, um, you know, kind of the next step of my of my journey was to start to get better at understanding my relationship to it and, and the benefits of it, right? Because anger and passion are the same energies, right? And so um, I, I had to spend time on releasing that anger in some ways and also uh, being okay with, okay, it's okay. I can be angry right now. It's, it's all right. It, you know, people aren't going to leave me. They aren't going to run away necessarily. If I, uh, you know, if I communicate and just say, you know what, I'm just, I'm angry right now. I need a few minutes versus, you know, it's, it's one thing to explode and to, um, 
to be ver verbally abusive, but no, it's not about that. It's about checking in and saying, okay, I'm angry right now. I just need some time to reflect on it and then I'll get back to you. Right. Or I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling like I can communicate effectively right now uh, because right now I'm just, I'm just angry. Right. So it, it that really kind of opened a, a whole new perspective for me that I started to recognize and, and, and release a lot of this weight that I've been carrying and, and the depressed states were, you know, it's, they still, they still come and go at times, but I'm able to get through them a lot, a lot better. Have you had those type of conversations with your sons, like as far as how to process emotions and, uh, you know, kind of get through, uh, some of those feelings? Yeah, definitely. But my older son, like I, um, cause growing up when I was upset or I was angry, it was just, I was just sent to my room, right? There was no conversation around kind of working through it. It was just like, go, go cool off in your room. So now, especially with my older son, yeah, cause he's 12, you know, I've had, I've had um, times where I've just, you know, just said, okay, it's okay to, um, you know, let's grab a pillow and let's just hit the pillow against the bed just for, for a minute or two here, just to kind of get the anger out. Um, we're not going to hit anybody with it. We're just going to, I'm going to be here with you and just, you know, let's just release that anger. Um, or, or uh, but the other part of it is once that's released is it just to speak to what's really going on. Like, you know, underneath that anger, how are you feeling? Right. And, and allowing him to recognize that feelings are okay. Uh, and the anger is okay. And sometimes he actually, he's really good. He knows that he needs a minute uh, or two just to go and cool off. And then he comes back and I, or I'll go check in with him. And uh, he's now kind of, and, and he's not necessarily hitting pillows all the time anymore, uh, but he's able to go and just sit with it. And his energy changes. He comes back after he sat with it and, and knows it's okay to be angry. And then he comes back and able to have a, a conversation and his perspective has changed. He's, he was, you know, for five minutes, he's like gung ho that this is, this, is, this is the way he wants it to be. And then he, you know, takes a break, comes back. He's like, okay, I, I see, I see um, another side of things now. So I'm good. Yeah. And it's been really powerful to, to help dads with their anger too. Like it's been really beneficial to, um, to walk them through that, uh, that process and, and, you know, recognize that if they are angry with their kids or their partner, you know, can they just go for a run for 15, 20 minutes? Like what's a way they can release it. Right. Uh, you know, can they, um, you know, take a boxing, one of those boxing exercise courses just to get the, you know, get, get that release. Right. Uh, and, and, and use, use physical fitness to just get it out. Uh, and then, once it's out is to journal about, you know, what's really going on, right? Cause there's, there's always something underneath the anger. Anger is just a surface emotion and there's, there's the benefit of releasing it and then actually working through, okay, what, well, how am I really feeling? Cause for, for a lot of men, anger is, is hiding sadness, right? Or grief uh, or shame or, or something that they don't want to feel. Right. So anger is really just there as a, as a, a force field or a shield, if you will, because they don't want to, they don't want to be seen as vulnerable. Uh, and if they can work through and, and, you know, maybe have a cry, you know, for, uh, because they're, they're sad about something or, um, or, or, you know, allow that, that guilt or shame just to be there and be okay with it. That, and, and know that, that, that feeling that, you know, that feeling's not gonna be forever. You know, I've never cried 
started crying and crying for two hours straight. Like it, 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 it ends, right? Emotions don't um, happen for long periods of time, right? So, so I've been able to help these men with you know, being okay to feel their feelings and, and, and come on the other side of that and know what's really going on, right? And how they can work through that now. Yeah. So can you talk about your background, uh, where your upbringing and like your relationship with your dad? Yeah, for sure. So uh, when I when I was born, within a few months, um, my my mom and my birth dad actually split, and we went and lived with my grandparents. Uh, and so I, uh, I think there's pictures of me with my with my birth dad when I was two years old, and that that I've I've seen in the last ten years, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. Uh, my mom. Uh, you know, we, we lived with my grandparents for probably two or three years and I got really close to my grandfather and he became my, he became my father figure for my, my younger years up until I was 10. You know, he was, uh, you know, we were just very tight and, uh, he was in the radio business. And so he, uh, you know, he would, um, just teach me all kinds of stuff about radio and, uh, you know, recording ourselves on an old cassette tape recorder and replaying it. And then he would introduce me to all these really cool superhero radio shows that he, they would broadcast on their station and that. So uh, we were really close and he'd, you know, he'd watch Knight Rider and Dukes of Hazard with me and do all these really cool things. Uh, and so, and, and my mom, my mom remarried uh, when I was about, I think three or four years old to, to my, you know, Technically, he's a stepdad, but to me, he's my dad. I've always called him my dad. I don't see Roger as a stepdad. He, um, uh, you know, was always there, you know, for us. And uh, you know, my parents are still married. And but I, uh, you know, there was a part of me where I, I kind of wondered about my birth dad at times because my mom told me about him and told you know this is. But as a kid, I didn't really understand it. I just know okay, there's another person over here that I don't really know a lot about. And he actually showed up in our life um, when I was 10 years old, the, the time that I remember, because there was times I, apparently that I saw him when I was little that, um, that I don't remember at all. But when I was 10, he showed up uh, near Christmas time and uh, wanted to visit me and see how he's doing. And, you know, we had a conversation to sit, I, I can remember it plain as day. We were in our living room. The Christmas tree was up. It was probably four or five days before Christmas. And Christmas is, Christmas day is my birthday. So it's a pretty special time as a kid. I, I was very excited, you know, birthday and Christmas all in one day. And, um, and so he just, you know, we had, I think he, ta he talked to me a lot about school and that, and he actually brought me a gift. And so at one point he said, you know, would you want to open it early? And I was, uh, I was like, that's against the rules. They don't do that. Like, I was always about, you know, you got to open your gifts on Christmas. You can't do it early. But, I, you know, I turned to my mom and said, hey, is that okay? And she said, yeah. And so I opened it up and it was this old, um, one of those old Pac-Man uh, handheld arcade games, right? That, you know, I was, I was like 12 at the time. And so that was like every, uh, you know, a lot of kids at that age wanted to have that type of, you know, electronic toy and I was just ecstatic and he was like the best guy ever in that moment right uh, and so I got very excited I got I, I'm gonna start to get to know this guy and uh, and so we exchanged pictures and you know planned to get together and and then there was no other meeting after that uh, and and so it was a bit confusing a guy was really excited and and I don't even remember how it was explained to me that he, he, he 
wasn't going to see us again. I, I didn't know the, the story behind the scenes, but, um, but I didn't, uh, like, and, and so I had my, who I call my dad, Roger, he, he raised me. He, um, he was a fantastic dad. He, uh, you know, we, he'd flood a, he'd flood a rink in our backyard, a hockey rink. And so my friends would be over while I was in high school. He'd come out and play with us too. Like he was playing basketball with us. He was very active. Uh, and, uh, so he, he kind of encouraged me on the sports front of things just to, you know, cause he played, he was, he actually wanted to be a PE teacher and he became an accountant uh, down the road. But so he had, was very athletic though. Uh, and yeah, you know, very good and supportive, supportive dad and taught me a lot of things about carpentry and fishing and hunting and these types of things. So, uh, and then my, my grandfather passed away when I was 10 and that was a, that was a real tough time for me. I was in grade four and that's kind of where my, my world changed. And I think the, 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 um, the anxiety started to show up cause I was just a very happy kid. I, I, you know, I liked um, I liked playing you know, with my cars. I like going for bike rides. I liked performing. I really liked singing and performing for people and, and uh, acting in that. Uh, but at 10, when my grandfather passed away, I, I, it was very confusing because I was extremely sad and confused by, you know, where, where did he go? What happened? Uh, um, as kids, it was decided that we, it was decided the kids weren't to go to the funeral because it just would be too hard which looking back, like, I really wish I could have been there just to, you know, have an opportunity to grieve more. Cause I was, I ended up grieving a lot of it on my own when I was younger. Cause, uh, you know, my grandma was very upset obviously. And so there was kind of, especially around Christmas time, you know, we weren't supposed to talk about grandpa or any old stories for quite a number of years. So uh, I was in mourning all on my own, uh, you know, and I would be crying a lot at night, crying myself to sleep. And feeling like I couldn't talk about it, uh, and so it was, it was tough. And, and a lot of the, the stuff I've dealt with through my journey around depression and that, and the counselors I've seen, a lot of it ties back to the relationship with my grandfather. Because I, I truly I, I miss him, and I really wish he was, you know, still here to be able to see my sons. And and because he taught me so much, on what it is to be a dad. And uh, and yeah, I just you know, at times wish he was, was here to see his own great grandkids. Um, but, uh, but my, my birth dad did, did come back into my life at 35. I think I was around 35 years old and he had found me. I had a website, um, that was all about actually what my, my basketball coach, um, talked about, you know, hundred percent of the, the game is between your ears. I created a website around that, except, um, saying hundred percent of life is between your ears. And, uh, and I got an email from this fellow who said, you know, are you Aaron Solly from, you know, whose mother is so-and-so, uh, I grew up in Williams Lake, the town I grew up in. And, uh, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is my birth dad. Right. And I, um, I was really nervous about him connecting with me because, um, I, I could tell that the relationship between him and my mom was not, was not cordial it was not um it was not good so I didn't want to upset anything so I was very nervous about telling my mom that he's come back he's into my life and and you know is she going to be okay with that and uh and I actually scrolled down the email and he was a coach he was a life coach and I was like and that actually was was one of the things that really stood out for me because I've been researching coaching and reading books on it and even looking at potentially having a coaching franchise or a business back um you know, back in the early 2000s and 
was like, okay, this is where it's coming from. All this personal development, all this books I've been reading that no one in my family really is drawn to. Uh, you know, this is who, <laughs> where it's been coming from. And it, it kind of puts, connected some dots for me. Um, but he, you know, it was a bit sad because I met with him. I, I decided to meet with him and I went for a walk around um, one of the big parks here in Vancouver called Stanley Park. It's a big seawall. We walk around the seawall and had a, you know, a great Saturday morning walk with him. And, and he said he was going in for an operation, a standard procedure. And, you know, once he's out in a few weeks, it'd be great to connect again. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm open to, to, you know, seeing where this goes. It's interesting. And I could, you know, uh, connect with him and learn more about my, you know, my birth dad. And he, he had, he had um, sisters and there's cousins out there that I'd never met. There's a whole other family there. Right. And within about uh, two or three weeks of me, actually weeks after me seeing him, I got a phone call from his sister uh, and saying that he was in the hospital and it wasn't looking good. Uh, you know, he was, uh, they, they had found the cancer that they were trying to remove was bigger than they expected. The tumor was, didn't show up on the ultrasound and they felt I should come to the hospital and, um, and, and see him. And, and I was really torn. I was completely torn because, you know, here is a man that, yes, he's my biological father, but really he's a, he's a stranger to me. I, I don't really know him. Um, there's a lot of pain that he caused, uh, you know, before I was born and, and after, and, uh, I was torn as to what to do. And, 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 you know, I ultimately I decided to not go because I, I just didn't feel comfortable at the time. And I, I hadn't done a lot of my own personal growth work at the time. So, you know, if probably if I had done a little bit more of my own journey of, and uh, on things and, and that I in getting through my own anger, because at that point I hadn't really worked on the anger side of things. I probably would have went and saw him and I've been more open to it. But at that point I was like, it doesn't make sense. Um, I, I don't know his family. You know, he needs to be with his wife. He needs to be with his family. Um, it's just going to cause too much challenges because, uh, and, and it was really interesting because he, he was waiting for me to connect with him. He thought that I would go to the, um, the adoption, um, government adoption service. Cause my, my stepdad actually technically adopted me. So he, uh, my birth dad was waiting for me to connect with him through that Avenue. And I had never even thought of it. Uh, so, you know, thank, thank goodness for the internet. The internet actually brought us together. He's able to find me. Uh, and I did, I did go to his, he did, he did pass away. He, he unfortunately, um, the cancer was just too severe, but I did connect with his wife. I went to his celebration of life. I met my aunts and I got to know a lot about him and his journey. And he was on a whole spiritual path himself. And he was a, a minister with a, a, um, a spiritual uh, group and helping people kind of with their own journey and personal growth. So it just connected a lot of dots for me. I was like, okay, now I, uh, another piece of the puzzle of why I'm here, why my purpose, you know, you know what, what am I here to do? Uh, and, and how can I serve others? Yeah. Wow. So you have any... the stars aligning. Yeah. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Did you... Sorry. Did you have any siblings, um, other siblings from your dad? Uh, from my, my birth dad, no, but from my stepdad, uh, Roger, yes, I, had a, I have a younger brother and younger sister. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I grew up with them. I was, I was five when uh, my brother was born and then I was seven when my sister was born. So 
of the three of us growing up. Yeah, and I always saw them as, you know, I never saw them as half brother and sister. I never knew that term. I didn't connect to that. They were my brother. Like, they are my brother and sister to me. Like it's, yeah. yeah. And then my, um, my dad actually had a, a son from his previous marriage. So I had, uh, uh, and a daughter. So I had uh, step siblings through his, um, his previous marriage too, before, before he married my, uh, before he married my mom. So yeah, I had, I had some good connections with other, other siblings growing up too. Yeah. So, um, walk me through the, um, the experience you have with, with your marriages. So your first marriage to your second marriage, um, what did you learn from those experiences? You know what? I, um, we we went and saw. We we decided we wanted to get uh, married through a through a church. I, I I don't consider myself religious. My um, my first wife was Christian, and uh, we found a we actually found a community church in our area, and uh, so we were looking for a pastor that um, was more community based, was more open to um, perspectives on different people and different lifestyles, and whether you're uh, you know, at church every day or not, wasn't, you know, wasn't someone that we we felt would be the right person to marry us. And so he, he said, sure, I can definitely help you with that, but you have to come to um, some marriage counseling sessions to, um, uh, for me to feel comfortable being, you know, to, 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 to be the, the pastor that's going to marry you. And it was really interesting because uh, fairly early, he had us fill out these quizzes and assessments before meeting with him. And the, the main theme that came out of these sessions was um, my ability to to deal with conflict. And he kept coming back to, so how do you guys fight? How do you guys get into arguments, right? And and I struggled with that, right? Typically, uh, I would avoid it. <laughs> I would um, kind of comply. You know, I was, you know, I, you know, I consider myself looking back, I was the stereotypical nice guy, just be very diplomatic, just do what other people want, sacrifice your own needs just to make everybody happy. And, and so those assessments really, you know, he said, you guys need to learn how to fight. You know, you need to learn how to argue and, and not, is that, he's talking about just argue about different points and different viewpoints of, you know, and, um, and even talk about what you value. I didn't understand at that age. I didn't really understand what that meant. Uh, and how to have those, you know, you know, do you want to have kids? You know, if you have kids, like, do you want them to go to private school or public school? Or, um, you know, do you believe in, uh, you know, different types of um, uh, medical procedures for them if something happens to a kid or yourselves? Like, what, you know, and it's just like having some real conversations that those never really happened uh, uh, in that journey um, because I didn't feel comfortable and uh, we never got through the, the, the ability to, to have a, uh, you know, a safe argument. Uh, and I complied a lot. I just became the nice guy. Uh, I, to me, I, I think what I kind of d defaulted to was if I, if I'm a good guy, if I do all the right things, if I, you know, um, do all the tasks that are good around the house and take care of things like that's going to be what's going to sustain this marriage because I'm the good guy. And I, um, but uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm contributing, you know, because I, I, I always wanted to be a, a husband and a father that contributed to the household, not just from a financial perspective, but from a, uh, from more than that, right? Because I, I learned a lot of life skills from my mom that, you know, about how to, you know, 
take care of a house properly, right? And not just be the, you know, the, the financial responsibility, but be the, you know, a caregiver. And, but I, I, I kind of focus too much on that. And, and so they, the, the, the connection was lost, uh, you know, and I, I was working on my own stuff and going to counselors and that. And, and I also had this passion to have a coaching practice. And I, I started to realize that, that um, my first partner really wasn't into that, right? Wasn't, I didn't see value in starting a business and this, it seemed very risky and like, why not just get a corporate job, stay in it for 40 years and then we'll retire and we'll travel the world or whatever, right? And I, that wasn't, and it still isn't, that's not me. That's, that's not who I am. Uh, and, um, and, and it just, it came down to, you know, close to the end, we thought that having, I think having a family was going to solve it. I think moving out of the city and into more of an owning a house was going to solve it. And, uh, and it didn't, it, unfortunately, there just was, um, a disconnect there. I, I wasn't able, and I, and I reflect on, I wasn't stepping up enough. I was a bit in that victim mindset where I, you know, I was still working on myself and felt I needed more time, but I wasn't taking the, uh, I wasn't going outside of my comfort zone a little bit more, right? You know, I was kind of staying safe, which it, it just, you know, and I, I get it. She, she, she needed more uh, and, and, and wasn't um, comfortable with me constantly working on myself because it, you know, it comes to a point where I need to, I need to transform a bit. Right. And, and then I actually, when I found out that she wanted to go down the path of separation, um, you know, we separated in the house for quite a number of months which was, was a very odd and confusing for uh, myself and my, I think my son as well. I don't think he was, I guess it wasn't too confusing for him. He was two. So I don't think he really understood what was going on, but just myself living in the same house, but being separated and um, you know, her going off and doing um, her own thing and me, uh, you know, supposed to start my life where I'm just in this anxiety. Uh, but I did find, I did find a, um, a counselor that, that started to work, I, that really started to work with me. And this was that counselor that talked about anger, uh, or depression is anger turned inward. And that counselor introduced me to some workshops and then ultimately a personal growth course where I, within a six month period, realized that uh, the relationship, I, I think it was better off to, to, to separate our ways because I, um, I just recognized that our values weren't in alignment. And then, and so when I remarried, I really wanted to find a partner that was, you know, more in alignment with my, with, with, we had the same values. We had the same, um, interests and, uh, and, and it's not, and I'm not saying it's the second marriage is perfect. And that's one thing that I think that, um, you find out, especially if you're in a long-term relationship or in a marriage, it's not going to be, um, you know, sunny and happy all the time. Like it's meant, it's actually meant to, um, it's meant for us to grow, right? It's, it's actually, uh, coming together as a, as a, as a marriage, there's growth, it can happen there and it's the willingness to allow each other to grow together but on our own paths because you know if, 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 a, if a couple is meshed together too tightly uh, you know one's needs may not be met over another's and then they're just they're following this this dream that's for one person and maybe not the other so um, you know I really wanted to find that in my, um, my next marriage and, and uh, been able to do that yeah So um, earlier in the conversation, you talk, you spoke about like teaching your kids uh, certain things. 
But yeah. what what have your sons taught you about you? Oh boy, patience. <laughs> Definitely patience. Uh, yeah, uh, and 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 I I learned it pretty pretty early on, even as you know when my when my older son was a was a baby and infant. Like you, your life does change. Like you, and you don't really know until it happens that you know the priorities and you know the amount of sleep that you get and being able to go and meet up with buddies or go out and and you know even be in a basketball league may have to be put on hold for a bit because uh you know there's some care at the home that needs to happen and so just slowing down the pace because i was a bit of a uh you know go 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 a mindset and you know to having that patience and as as my boys have gotten older it's really you know i've t- learned a lot of patience of you know, because they're not always going to want to do what we want them to do. And uh, it may take, you know, and, and also creativity, right? Being creative and how to, because there's, you know, sometimes we're going to be, we need to get somewhere on time because it's important and we need to, we don't want to be late. So how do you get creative? Even if they don't want to get there, uh, you know, on our time schedule, how do you get creative so that um, they're willing to do it and there's, there's excitement there, or at least um, there's an openness that maybe it's, Maybe getting there is not exciting, but maybe when we get there, maybe there'll be something they'll find out that they that they'll be excited about or, or what have you, right? So yeah, patience, creativity, um, and uh, you know they've they've taught me just to be more present. Like it's amazing what they notice uh, when they're looking at the world. That it's a reminder of, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm you know, and I, I still have you know moments where I have thoughts and stuff going on in my head and I'm not fully present and they they'll say something it's like oh yeah like yeah that's right there that's I didn't even notice that you, you know you notice that um you know the the that what that dog was doing in the park or uh, this this basketball uh player that um you know just made this really neat move that you're watching or whatever right like it's just getting present with them is important right yeah, yeah. That definitely being present is, is really important. Um, yeah. How would you say um, things have changed during the uh, the pandemic in, in regards to how, you, how you're connecting with your sons? And, and like you said, you mentioned creativity. Like what, what creative ways are you, uh, you know, building that relationship with your sons during this, during this time? Yeah, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been ups and downs for sure. Like when uh, early on by, um, my older son was in uh, was in grade five, and everything went online. He, you know, we had to uh, bring everything uh, bring everything home, and 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 we were giving lesson plans. Uh, really, the the meetings with the teachers were just if they needed help uh, for the particular class he was in. So he was bringing home all this work, and so I went into teacher mode, and I kind of set up his day, and I. Um, had a little bit of a calendar for each day because he was with us half the time. So the days he was with with us is what he, what can he work on? And I, I actually tied in some personal growth um, videos or programs that I thought I found for kids so that he wasn't just doing math and reading and all the school stuff, but also I brought in some of the personal growth stuff for him to start to learn. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I just kind of went into teacher mode and then, and then I, I was working at home. So being able to have uh, you know, be able to be home after work and be able to go do stuff outside. And, uh, you know, the, one of the places I was, because um, sometimes I'll take on full-time work. So I, one of the places I was at, they actually closed the office for a week 
back in um, 2020, in this just before spring break, I think it was, or it might have been during spring break. And so the boys and I just went out, and every day we were bike riding, uh, sorry, bike, bike riding, going to the parks, playing basketball, uh, just getting outside together, and playing soccer, these types of things, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, and then over time, it's you know it's it's been challenging times because um, my older son wasn't able to connect with his buddies for a long time. He plays hockey and ball hockey, and uh, so a lot of it was over. Like they were chatting, playing um, Fortnite and different video games, which kind of had to accommodate a bit. I, I felt like, okay, um, this is this is a temporary fix, and I, you know, I don't want him playing video games for eight hours a day. But if it means he can connect with his buddies for a couple hours, uh, you know, I gotta be, I'm gonna be more okay with that uh, just for this time. And then my younger son, he uh, he was he was at home with us for the majority of the like just this 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 the September or past September so September 2020 is when he started kindergarten so for for two years he was at home with us and so um so for him I, I really have felt for him because he he wasn't able to socialize as much until we were able to finally get him back into a daycare over after a year but his socialization was with us at home and we were trying to manage our zoom meetings and you know take breaks so we would take a lot of breaks to play with him or find he was on zoom meetings for kids we found some kids stuff for for um four-year-olds that he could be on and at least have some connection with kids that from all around the world just so that he had some time there but um and now it's you know we've just kind of adapted i think uh and been able to you know do a, do a lot of family stuff that uh you know, you know we've really seen our neighborhood more than we would normally probably would have normally we're walking it a lot more we're biking it a lot more uh, we, there's a beach that's near us, so we're down there in the summer, and and we'll even go there in the winter months just to see the the waves and the storms and and that too. So, got very creative uh, to keep the connection going and and find times where we can connect with their friends, maybe at a distance, uh, or if they're in our kind of bubble, that that uh, it's okay to have a play date, so they can have that that friend time. Yeah. Now, Aaron, I know that you're. Um... You grew up playing basketball, right? And yeah. You're you're in the um, Vancouver area. Yes. How did you feel about the Grizzlies moving from Vancouver to Memphis? Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. It was so it was so fun having a team here. Like I know they didn't do that great, and they they um I don't think the the planning of the the structure of the team it was a huge um like big country was his his salary was way too big. Like, and so they couldn't afford any other players. And so they kind of, and they gave, they gave away tickets. So like, there was so many tickets we got for like 20 bucks or for free that I was like, how are they making any money at this? But it was so fun. Like it was just so fun to be part of that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I really hope that at some point we get, are able to get a team back because uh, I love to go and watch in the games and oh, you I actually, the games? yeah, what's a, a, a lot of games and, um, and actually in high school, uh, you know, I grew up up north from Vancouver, and so whenever we'd come down for provincials, we would play against the number one team. And in grade 12, we played uh, St. Michael's University, and the star player on that team was Steve Nash. And so our first game of that tournament was against Steve Nash, and, uh, you know, they, they beat us, like, by 40 or 50 points, but it's pretty cool to see where he was able to, to you know, to take his career to, uh, you know, being from – 
you know, being from BC and from Canada and, and he just excelled because he's, a, he's about the same height as me, maybe an inch taller. And I was like, this is like really cool to see that he's just, a, you know, you know, a force to be reckoned with. And he's just made a big contribution and, and uh, he was an inspiration for me to want to keep playing and be involved in basketball whenever I could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some some pretty good players on Vancouver. I remember uh, yeah. big countries, uh, Sharif Abdul Raheem. Yes, Sharif. Yes, yeah. yeah. He had some twenty and ten guys on that team. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Bill, they probably have something. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, what would you say has been um, the biggest the biggest lesson uh, to go back to your upbringing? Uh, what was one of the big biggest lessons you, you learned from your grandfather that you carried on? uh, to how you raise your kids now? Uh, yeah, I think is, is connecting, connecting with my sons, you know, being there with them, uh, you know, you know, he, he just was, you know, trying to connect with me in ways he taught and, and, and teach, he taught me lessons that I wouldn't have, things that I wouldn't have ever have gravitated towards. So he taught me about, um, you know, the radio business and, and, uh, recording my voice on tape, like I would, I would do it with him, but then I always, I, I would do it as well as recording my my voice and playing it back or recording different things and, um, and so, but it just, you know, bringing some creative l learnings and fun things with technology and, uh, uh, and and surprising and surprising my boys too, like my my grandfather, uh, in the summer sometimes there'd be festivals in in his town, and if I was there. Uh, you know, he'd wake me up at 10 o'clock at night and say, we're going to go, we're going to go see the fireworks. Right. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. Like I'd be in my pajamas and, and, you know, I'd never be up at 10 o'clock at night, but, uh, uh, but he would, he would say, we're going. And, and uh, it was just some really cool memories that, uh, you know, I, I think about that and want to have those you know good memorable moments with my kids too. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let me ask you, when, um, how does a person know, like, when they should, I, I know everyone is different, but um, what are some, like, some telltale signs that you should uh, talk to someone or see counseling or uh, get it, you know, start talking to a coach? You know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's when, um, you know, there's, if people are feeling like a lot of anxiety and like stress is just not going away, like it's, it's just keeps bubbling up. There's thoughts that are, that are happening on a daily basis and um, that are, that are more like worrying about making a mistake, worrying about, um, uh, you know, failing at something. And, and the thing is that those thoughts are coming up, uh, you know, on a daily basis, uh, there may be some, some help that's needed to help, um, you know, help, shift that and, and help to, you know, incorporate, like it's, it's normal for us to have these fearful thoughts at times and, and worrying thoughts, but to be able to have the, have better thoughts, you know, 80, 90% of the time, right. So that we're able to say, Oh, Hey, hold on a second. That's, that's not a helpful thought. I'm going to move on to this one. Right. Uh, but also behavior wise, like if, uh, you know, if, if somebody is using Netflix or alcohol or drugs or, um, even exercise like to the excessive degree where it's it's actually causing disconnection from um, a partner or kids or family members where this this thing is actually become more important than a human connection that can also be a sign that 
um, is if there's some coping mechanisms that are happening there that that are are eliminating the the actual key thing of connecting with people, and so that can be, um, you know, a really a really good moment to say, hey, okay, I uh, I need help, right? And um, and then for somebody who's who's maybe done some work before, uh, you know, some people just recognize that that they, they can know that okay, now I need to go talk to somebody, and 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 they're actually cognizant, they're they're conscious of it that that. Um, okay, I, I need like almost like a car maintenance. I need to go in and get my three month checkup done, right? Because they they're going, they're falling into bad habits. They're not going down a rabbit hole yet, but it's they, they're like, okay, I need to just go do a bit of maintenance on myself, and I can't do it alone, right? I need I need someone to help me through that. Yeah. So um, in doing what we do with um, with uh, with Welcome to Father, and even with this podcast. Um, I've seen it for myself, my own mental health, just, just actually talking about some of these things. And uh, even from my own experiences, talking about my father, like uh, stuff that I probably still need to talk about. Um, do you think that uh, going down this path is becoming a life coach has helped you even more uh, in regards to your past and your, uh, you know, the things that you had to overcome? It def definitely has. It's, it's not only connected me to my purpose, but I, I learned from my clients uh so much right because they they teach me along the way uh and i never i never thought that would happen i thought that I, you know I, a lot of it would be me teaching them or guiding them but i i see them actually take steps that i may not even be willing to take uh at times and they, they've got to a point where i'm like okay they're teaching me that i can even go a bit further or um or they're reflecting on maybe an area that i uh, need to, to again reflect on and, and 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 do a little bit of work on myself and plus you know being in this in, in the in the work that i do i'm i'm i, I get to learn uh, all the time and so i uh it's helping me you know cope with my own you know COVID has kind of re i've had moments where it's reactivated my anxiety and depression in some ways so uh it's it's I, I recognize I'm human and I, I'm not, I'm not here to say that I'm just like going to be this perfect, <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect life coach that, that never has any issues. Like it's, they're still going to happen, but I, you know, I recognize that I can, I can help those that are, especially in, in a place where I was previously and help them get to the next, you know, rise above that and get to the next level. Yeah. I know we're getting close to time. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll ask the question, if, if you could give advice to any father, like what would it be? I think I just, I'm thinking about, part of it's me thinking about new fathers uh, is because I just, I hear, I hear dads at times just, they, they, they don't want to give up their life, right? They don't want to give up their time with their buddies. They don't want to give up their NFL games or their hockey games, like watching sports. Uh, uh, they don't want to give up their social time with their workmates. And I, I think part of it is, is, is to recognize that that's, that's not going to go away completely, right? But remember that you're bringing a, a new human being into the world. And, uh, you know, what, what you do... It, and how you behave is going to teach them how to behave in the world, right? So if, you know, remember that to step into the behaviors that you want to, to teach them and that you may, you know, when a new baby's coming into the world, you may need to be there for your partner more uh, and you may be able to, to, to 
um, say to the guys, hey, I'm not going to be here for a bit, right? It doesn't mean you're never going to come back. It's not like you're, you're never coming back again, but there's going to be a good window of three to six months where priorities change, right? And then when you come back and things are kind of figured out again a bit more and you have a bit more balance, uh, there's still going to be some adjustment, right? And you want to really reflect on how do you want to be there for your kids uh, and, and maybe even change how you grew up so that they, they get to have a better life, right? Uh, and, and for any, uh, any dad, no matter what age their kids are at, I think it's just staying connected to them. Right. Uh, you know, and, you know, even if they're, you know, a bit obsessed with video games, uh, and you don't want them to be maybe, you know, maybe you play with them a bit, uh, and then you kind of throw out ideas of other things you could go do with them and just kind of get them away from that and, and find those moments where you can really connect with them, uh, in, um, in having a, you know, a heartfelt connection where you're not always telling them what to do, but you're really just listening to them and asking them, oh, you know, do, do, do you need any help with that right now? And if they don't, be okay with that and say, well, if it ever, you know, if at any point do you ever need help, just let me know. I'm always here, right? And because that's one thing I've recognized is that being a dad and, you know, definitely there's some, some things that we need to kind of we need to make sure kids are aware of. We need, to, we need to teach them certain things, but there's times where, um, especially as they move into the teen years, that if we empower them to make their own decision, there's a good chance they're going to come back to us when, the, when, they, when they really need help. Yeah. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have one last question for you. Actually, I already asked it, uh, Aaron. Uh, you gave me a real good answer. I'm going to uh, read your response. Uh, to the people. Uh, okay. Uh, the question was, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, Aaron, you said it is uh, very rewarding. It is teaching me how to be a man uh, they can model after and also be them be themselves. So, uh, can you elaborate on that a little more? Yeah, like I I just I, really, I'm, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it, I'm still learning as I go, but really just trying to instill in my kids that they get to be um, they get to be themselves uh, because I, I feel like when, you know, as I got older, I kind of gave up a bit of my, myself as the nice guy and I want to be able to teach them boundaries and sticking up for the, you know, and staying close to their values so that they're, you know, they're not being mean to people by not doing certain things or saying certain things. They're, they're actually just being honest that, this, you know, that's not for me. Right. And they can do that. They don't have to follow a certain group of friends because um, because they're going to be, they're not going to be cool. Right. Uh, uh you know, they, they can say, you know what, that's not for me. Um, that's, that's not, that's not important to me. That's not a priority for me. And they get to bring who they are to the world. They get to, you know, bring these talents to the world. So they have like, my older son is an amazing artist. He, he draws like so well. Uh, and, and yet he's a bit quiet about it. He's a bit nervous about it and shy about it. And so I'm, you know, I want to be able to, just be there for them and, and um, you know, not tell them that, hey, you need to go tell people this, but just give them opportunities where he can um, really feel that and know that if he's not, if he's not willing to share his drawings with people today, that's okay. Um, but there may be something, maybe sometime down the road, uh, you know, be proud of what you're doing. You're, you're, you're doing art that a lot of people, I can't draw at that level, right? So be proud of it, uh, you know, regardless of, of what you're believing other people are going to think about it. Just be proud and, 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 you know, kind of 
in, in subtle ways show him that maybe one day you'll be able to use this. Don't, don't, don't give up on this drawing because the friends you're with right now are not into it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dr. Neal, did you have anything else before we wrap? No, no other questions. Um, I just want to thank you, Aaron. It's been an awesome interview, man. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, Dr. Young, can we, can we put this one in the Hall of Fame, too, man? This is another Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, <wow>. yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, we can put it in the Hall of Fame. What, what, what was your jersey number uh, back when you were playing, in your playing days? Whenever I could get it, uh, sometimes the older kids would take it from me, but I, I like the number 14. 14, okay. Well, yeah. Down, number 14. Well, why 14? I don't know. It just, uh, for some reason, I, I, I cannot remember why, but there wasn't a certain player that had it or anything that I, I followed. It just, 14 just felt like the right number for me. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Yeah. That's cool. It was yeah, a number yeah. that we could hang up in the rafters. That's why. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the work that you, you guys are doing. This is really good that you're, you're helping fathers out. It's, it's, it's much needed work that you're doing. And I commend you on doing it. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for that, Aaron. Thank uh, you. And if you could tell people where to reach you, if, uh, you know, people want to reach out to you, how would they be able to do so? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, so, uh, you know, under my, my name, Aaron Solly, or you can actually find my coaching practice, Engage Coaching Group, if you search that on Facebook. And, and uh, an Engage Coaching Group also has a website, uh, uh, engagecoachinggroup.com. Okay, yeah, I'll uh, link to that in the description below. Uh, it's like saying that for some reason. But, uh, <laughs> but I guess we'll go ahead and uh, end it here. So uh, for myself, for uh, Server Reales, for my uh, colleague, Dr. Ryan Young, and also for our special guest, Aaron Sally, thanks for listening to WTF Interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements. Don't hang up, Aaron. We're going to chop it up for a second. All right. Thanks so much. Yes, yes. Sir Royce here. And I want to thank you again for listening to WTF Interviews. Leave a review as it helps more people like yourself receive the message. Also, consider donating to Welcome to Fatherhood. It's a nonprofit that myself and Dr. Raheem Young created to help dads showcase their superpowers to the masses. You can do that by going to WTFatherhood.org. Again, gratitude. And be well, you already are.